I'm in a new series called The Outpouring of God, and I just want to take you on a journey here in the next couple of minutes on some things that are dear to my heart, but it's all foundationally built off Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. So would you do me a favor, and let's read this out loud together. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And verse 21, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you. You can be seated. Where are we today in God's prophetic timeline? Uh, what, what about this situation with the war in the Middle East? I think it's very interesting. I think it's something to take note of. Of course, the war started on October the 7th of this last year. But what I have done as far as my observation of the war situation is simply this. I've just, I thought at first, well, will this be a quick war? Will it be a six-day war as we saw previously with the other war situation? But it's not. It's now more than 90 days. And what is happening here, I believe, is very interesting. The question really is, why is it continuing? And I think that in my observation, this is a type of different approach for me as far as what I'm saying today and how I'm ministering. Uh, and not really done a series like this one. Uh, I'm approaching this very differently than I have any message series we've done in the last 19 going on 20 years of this church. And I'm looking at this war situation, in my opinion, as a prelude. And I'm going to base it, of course, on the scriptures on what I believe is the outpouring of God. And I believe there's some significant things for us to study in that. And of course, uh, this is not going to be done in one message or two or three. So I'm going to take my time. I'm going to methodically go through this because this is a subject for me that I am, I'm, I'm deeply studying. I'm looking at, I'm researching, I'm listening to what others are saying. Uh, over the course of this series, we're going to start having a series of actual phone calls from a friend of mine, Jonathan Fieldstein, actually in the Bethlehem area right outside Jerusalem. And he's going to be giving us, he's Jewish now, but he is a very good person that I've known for many, many years as far as a connection to understanding what's happening in Israel and Jerusalem and specifically the war situation. His son is a a part of the military. And uh, actually, our church over the last couple of weeks, what we've done is we have taken a portion of our giving and we have, again, the Israeli soldiers are well taken care of. They don't need anything as far as, you know, their well-being as far as their, you know, as a soldier. But we as a church family during the month of December, we supplied them specifically at the war points or zones where they were through Jonathan and some other couriers. We took them things that, you know, that they enjoyed such as coffee, such as pastries and desserts and chocolate and some other things that they wanted. And uh, we, we paid for that as a church family specifically And um, because I want to, again, have not only this connection to support the nation of Israel, but to support the Israeli army because 
I believe that something specifically is happening over there. Do I understand it all? Do I have a grasp on it? Do we understand it all? No, but we're going to take the time to take the scriptures and look at it and really look also, and I am going to go for the first time in my history as a pastor, I'm going to go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 and take some platform there and come into where we are today from my observation, okay? I'm not saying that I'm here to give some kind of prophetic words or anything. I'm here as an observer, as a pastor, as just a a man that's seeking the wisdom of God, but I do know that something interesting is happening. So as you look at what we just read in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 through 21, there's some interesting statements there. It says that it'll come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so you say, well, that was written, of course, you know, when... The books of Acts was created. This was actually on the day of Pentecost that Peter said this. Of course it was. However, it's interesting in the time frame of God. We've got to remember something as far as heaven's clock. With the Lord, a day is a thousand years. So if this happened 2,000 years ago, we'll even push and say it happened 3,000 years ago. That's only been three days with God. I mean, think about it. Now, for us, you know, it, that's that's completely different. But in heaven's timetable, also, isn't that interesting for your loved ones that have passed away? How many of us have family members that have been in heaven over 20 years? You can raise your hand online, too. I see it. <laughs> what does that mean? That means that, uh, you know, that 20 years or plus is a long time, is it not? But in heaven's timetable, it isn't. Heaven's timetable is completely different from you and I, and I'm telling you this, one of the things about the Lord is when he says something, when he decrees something and he prophesies something, it will come to pass. You can guarantee it. We're just coming out of the Christmas season, or we're still in it, as you can see behind me, celebrating it just weeks ago, or just this past week, literally. And you know, all that was 400 prophecies that came to pass concerning Jesus' birth. God, when he says something, he is going to do it. Now, his timetable is different from ours, and uh, usually we have the McDonald's mentality that we want it what? Right now? But that's not the way the Lord works. He has his own timetable. And it says again in verse 17, it shall come to pass in the last days. Everybody say the last days. The last days says, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's everyone. It says, your son and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall be dreaming dreams. That's interesting, is it not? And it says in verse number 18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, that's what it says again, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's an interesting thing to think about. In those days, he will pour out his spirit. Verse number 19, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath. Interesting, last night, for some reason, a minister friend of mine sent me some clips that literally happened yesterday over in Asia. There were certain lightning strikes and certain kind of activity in the atmosphere, and it was some of the strangest things I've ever seen in video as far as uh, the moving of electricity as the moving of lightning. It looked like corridors of uh, things opening up. And then he sent me another video uh, in California on one of the beaches, one of the highest tides I've ever seen come into from the, the ocean. I mean, in a place that normally has tides at a certain day, there was a whole bunch of people down at the beach and all of a sudden, for some strange reason out of nowhere, this tide dwelt, this tide just completely started developing and you started watching it. There was a person videotaping it and it got bigger and bigger and I mean, it pushed the people from the beach all the way back, way beyond the beach area. It was really out abnormal. 
And you say, Pastor Brian, is that a sign and a wonder? I believe it is. I mean, it's very unusual things that are happening. I mean, we've seen lightning, we've seen tides, but not things that are abnormal. I think God is showing us, it says right here, signs in the earth beneath, signs as far as wonders in heaven, blood, fire, smoke, and vapor. It says in verse 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood and the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And again, verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe it will be a time of great salvation. Over in Acts chapter 3, those who want to take you to the next verses of Scripture, Acts chapter 3 and verse number 18, this is where, again, he's preaching again, Peter, and the situation here. Look what it says here in verse number 18. He's talking about what they had done before and talking about the killing of Jesus, unfortunately. He's expounding on that, but he says, but those things which God foretold by the, well, he says in verse 17, now you brethren, I know that you did what you did in ignorance and it did it also to your rulers, verse 18, but those things which God's foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Jesus would suffer, he has thus fulfilled which is true. And then verse number eight, 19, this is the key I want to show you or bring you to. Repent therefore and be converted uh, that your sins may blot, be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I think this is so important and that he would send Jesus, which he has done to preach to you uh, before. Verse 21, that the heavens would receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from, from the beginning of the world. So if you'll notice there in verses 19, 20, and 21, it says, um, the word repent and be therefore converted that times of refreshing would come. And then it says in verse number 20, notice what it says, verse 21, that the times of restoration. So I see three things there. I see a time, uh, first of all, a time of repentance, a time of refreshing, and a time of restoration. And I believe those are three things that we're beginning to see. This is something that's, that's unfolding in my spirit. This is something that's unfolding in my heart. Of course, repentance means simply this, the releasing of anything that would hinder or hurt any believer's relationship with the Lord. And as we turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through two, I think this is so important for the times that we're living in, because I think that God doesn't want anything in your life to hinder these last days. This specific time we're living in is very strategic. You and I are a part of history. You and I are part of something very special. And it says right here concerning repentance, again, it's for people to repent that don't know the Lord, but for us as believers, those even though we're committed to the Lord, but what about those things that would try to rob us of our relationship with the Lord? People would put pressure on us to, to, to conform to the world's ways or not to practice our Christianity in the way that we should. As much as I love family, I'm thankful I have a blessed family that support me in the ways of the Lord and the kingdom of God. But what about a person that has a spouse or family members that are not in the condition that I am, or maybe some of you are in that have the support? That's a hard place, you know, when some, especially when a husband and wife, you know, one spouse wants to serve the Lord and the other doesn't for whatever reasons. And I understand hurts. I understand things out there. But, you know, hurts should never define us. They just should only make us to a place where we want to see God, because God is the healer of all hurts, in my opinion. There's not a hurt, there's not a sin, there's not a situation greater than the love of God. And even though this is not in my message today, but we're going to talk about how God wants to restore people's lives. So many times we don't give him the place to restore our life. We just press through and say, well, that was a hurt and I just chalk it up to life. Well, I understand that, but God wants to restore your life and make it better. God has a way of bringing things around, in my opinion. He, he can restore if you'll allow 
allow him. Notice what it says, though, here in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, let's all read it together. You be seated, but let's just read together. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does that mean? That means, first of all, that you have heaven watching you. Even though we're not communicating with heaven, we're not necessarily in contact with heaven as far as our family members. We're in contact with the Father, of course, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, of course. But we also have the witness of this word. We have their witness that what God has promised, God is going to do. God is always going to have the final answer. God is always going to win. It's best for us to be on his side of every situation and choose him above anything because this world is so temporary. How many of you you ever seen a hearse and a U-Haul behind it? You never see that. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the fame. We look at the pyramids in Egypt. We look at all the money that some of these people have, but they didn't take a cent with them. I love what, was it Winston Churchill said? I think it was him. I may misquote this, but please forgive me. It was him or one statesman that said it like this. You were born naked and you'll leave naked. (laughs) Basically, you were born with nothing, you'll leave with nothing. But we have this great cloud of witnesses to tell us that there's life beyond this life that what you do here is significant, what you do here is important, but the witness that God is faithful and true and can be trusted. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, let's continue reading out loud together. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Come on, together with me. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race, notice that, that is set before us. Verse number two. Looking unto who? Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God at the throne of God. Notice that. Notice these key verses here in Hebrews. Isn't it awesome? It says what? I love it. It says, it says laying aside every weight and the snare which so easily besets you. I mean, there may be some certain snares in your life. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be worry. It could be fear. It could be anxiety. I mean, it could be a lot of things, not trusting God in a situation. Let me tell you something. I I would lay that down, and it says in verse 2, looking unto him. And I love the verse there at the end. It says, of course, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Isn't that good news? He is not only the author, but he's the finisher. (laughs) I think that's awesome. If you didn't come from anything today to know that he wants to finish your life and finish your faith on a good note. He really does. And it says right here, he despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean? It says that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That means he's not standing up yet, getting ready to come back, but he is sitting down in complete authority. And guess where you and I are in the picture of all this? We are in him. But you know what I would like to do personally as the days roll forward? I'd like for him to move to the edge of his seat. I'd like for him to grip the sides of that throne handles and say, you know what? I am ready, Father. Let's go get them. Tell me when. Jesus wants to come back. Jesus is trying to assimilate, in my opinion, his return. And he wants it sooner than later. But however, we have some things to do and some things we need to look at. And I just want to encourage you, whatever those things that are a spiritual hindrance to you, trust God. Sometimes if you have to confront it, you confront it. Sometimes if you need accountability, you need accountability. That's why we're together better than we are separately. If you're having an issue with financial things and you need accountability in that area, we want to help you. Sometimes we try to do all these things within the strength of ourselves and it's just hard to do. 
If you're trying to help yourself physically, you know, and you need help with a doctor, then we'll recommend a good doctor that'll help you. We'll recommend other areas that'll help you, but don't do these things by your spouse, especially your spiritual life. It's too vital in these days. Don't just pass time by. How many of you notice how quickly time is? It seems like 24 hours is now 12 hours. Does it? Is it just me? It seems like last month, boom, is now a week later. It seems like last year is almost like six months ago. I I can't explain it, but something's happening. Something's accelerating. Maybe Jesus' hand is on the edge of that chair. Maybe he has scooted himself up. I can't answer that. You say, well, Pastor Brian, (laughs) well, there's there's a story I'd share this. This young girl came up to this pastor and said, uh, he heard him talking about some things that I'm similarly talking about and said, actually, he was talking more about the rapture. And she said, Pastor, uh, well, when would the rapture of the church be? He said, well, no one knows, only the Father knows, but it could happen today. Happen today? She said, I want to get married. It could happen right now, he said to her. Happen right now. And so... <laughs> And she she was really taken back. He said, I don't know when, but it could happen soon. Anyway, about three months later, for some reason, she must have been a regular attender in church. He only saw her like once every 90 days. <laughs> moving right along, moving right along. Anyway, not to you faithful, but to those whatever. And uh, he saw her actually in the grocery store. And he, he noticed there was a wedding ring on her finger. And he said, called out her name and said, hey, look at you. And he was just, you know, talking and greeting. And she said, yes, I really took to heart last time you said. I had a boyfriend, but him and I got together and we expedited things. And we went, actually, we didn't have a wedding. We went and got married at, at Justice of Peace. And we just expedited the process because we really wanted to be married based on what you said. And then she turned to him. She said, Pastor, she said, when is Jesus coming back? You didn't get the joke. <laughs> she, she didn't have, she had enough of marriage already. <laughs> so you'll get that later on tonight. She asked him a second time, Pastor, when is Jesus coming back? How soon is he coming back? And he turned to her and he said, listen, marriage is a great institution, but bringing two people together is a capital W, a capital O, a capital R, and a capital K. And all of God's people said, you missed a great place to say, it's a labor of love, is it not? And uh, we have to work at it. My point of that is, and that simple story is, sometimes we want to hurry things up. Sometimes we want to make things happen. Sometimes we want to get things out of order. But you know, God has a beautiful timetable. And I assure you of everybody that wants to get married or whatever you're believing God for, everything will work out in God's timetable. But you got to come to a place where you're refreshed by that. Notice what it says in the book of Acts. It said, times of refreshing. Everybody say refreshing. Refreshing by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Notice what it says here in Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Acts chapter 1 is very interesting to me as a student of Acts. The book of Acts is something I constantly, almost daily read and study. And Acts chapter 1, of course, is that, you know, the, what I see is Jesus' last message is where he is actually setting the mandate of his last words. And he says clearly in verse number five, he says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. So what is he saying here? He's talking about receiving the empowerment, receiving the Holy Spirit in verse number five. And then number six, verse six, they shifted gears on him. And I understand why they did. They said, when, therefore, when we come together, they asked saying, 
Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? What were they thinking at that time? Why did they interrupt Jesus' last mandate? Because they were thinking that this thing is a physical manifestation. They were thinking that, you know, Jesus is now resurrected. He's going to come back in power and glory and take over. And they had their minds in the natural. And it says in verse number seven, Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So what was Jesus saying there? Saying, hey, listen, that's a time and season for later. That's for right, That's not for right now. Then Jesus goes back to verse number eight and the word but, everybody say but, but you shall receive power, connecting that truly to what he was saying, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what is Jesus saying there? And again, Jesus is ascending after that. Jesus is saying, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Holy Spirit is the key. Thank God that we had the Father among us in the Old Testament. Thank the Lord that Jesus walked and lived among us when he was on the earth. But God has done something greater in this dispensation. He's given us his spirit on the inside of us. And the key thing is for you to welcome and acknowledge the Holy Spirit. It's not Casper the friendly ghost. It's not something weird or strange or in Pentecostal traditions. And I understand all the things that have come with understanding the Holy Spirit. But ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit is the God within. And you need that leading. You need that guiding. You need that speaking. Everybody say speaking. The Spirit of God wants to speak to you. You can hear His voice. You can look at these scriptures, and that's the beauty of this book. It's a supernatural book. It will speak to you if you'll read it more than five minutes. I promise you. Literally, it will talk to you as you begin to talk to it and say, I want to hear what you're saying. Welcome the spirit of the living God into your life. And again, I think we have a problem here in churches right now, and this is just my observation. Are we choosing production of ministry over the presence of God? Are we choosing all the things that we can do as far as you know having a service and there's nothing wrong with production? I appreciate dearly what we do here. I appreciate what others do. But I've talked to a lot of pastors, especially that are not in the situation we're in right now, that have multiple, 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 multiple services. And it's about getting out at a certain time, bringing these amount of people in, doing this and doing that, production, production, especially for friends of mine that have radio broadcasts and television broadcasts and you're having to produce it right down to the clock and you're having to, deal with workers and transitioning people out. Can you imagine having five services on a Sunday morning? I mean, it's a lot of services. Now, let me ask you a question. When can the Spirit of God move in a situation like that? Sometimes it's hard to do. And there's nothing wrong with having five services. I've been a church, I work for a church that had multiple services on a Sunday morning. And it was challenging to us then, it's challenging to us now. And again, you want to make room for the Holy Spirit. Thank God churches are more and more getting to a place where, yes, they have production, but they're also having time set aside where people can have prayer together and the receiving of the Spirit of God, receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit, receiving the prayer of agreement. These things are important. These are what mark a church, not the production. I mean, KISS, the band, has a production. We need to have the presence of God. Amen. Okay. I mean, we need to have the presence of God. We don't have to have a production. We want to have the power, the presence of God. I'm more interested in the power and the presence of God than anything that I can buy technology wise. I'm more interested in you touching God than me having it, people on this platform entertaining you and dazzling you with their talents and their abilities. Thank God we have gifted musicians and gifted worship people on this platform. But some people use these platforms as a platform 
platform for themselves to promote their ministry, to promote their musical gift. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that's not really what God created this platform for. It's the preaching of the gospel, not the promoting of self-interest. It's the place of ministry as unto the Lord, not a place of you know, self-production and self-promotion. And I'm grieved by that sometimes, even though not every church is doing that, but some churches get caught in that trap. I have a friend of mine that's working for a very, very large church in, in, in the middle part of America, and he's battling that. Are we doing production or are we doing presence? And he wants to do presence because he came from one of the largest churches in the world and he knows the trap that that can create all in the goodness of ministering to people. But one touch from God is greater than one goosebump. Hello? One impact from Holy, the Holy Spirit speaking one word into your life and a verse of scripture coming off the screen. That's why I'm so thankful for technology to where we'll have the Bible coming to you on screens. I remember the days when we didn't have screens. I remember the days when we did have all this technology. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for cameras in this auditorium. I'm thankful for the ability to communicate beyond this room. But that should never replace wanting and desiring that the Holy Spirit would touch every individual. And that's what we want. We want times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. It didn't say times of refreshing in the production of the Lord. It said times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Is it not? I still long for the days when I see services where people and hear the word of God being spoke and people are healed right where they're sitting. I long for the days where people are sitting in services and they hear a word of God, not necessarily from what I've spoken, but the Holy Spirit because they actually came to a place where they were so busy in their life that they set their phone aside and cut it off for the service for, an, for 30 minutes and they came in and gave 30 minutes to a silent solitude where God could speak into their life. Do you know that he gave you two ears and one mouth? That means you're supposed to do twice as much listening as you are speaking. But so many times we're in a hurry. People come into services and their mind is going, and by the time they leave their service, it goes back to, how can God speak in the middle of that? He can't get a word edgewise. Think about it. And it's a subtle trap of Satan, is it not? That's why I'm purposing as a pastor to slow things down. I'm trying not to speak as fast as I usually speak. I've really worked hard today to slow it down, even though I want to speed up. How many of you know, if you've ever heard me in the past, I can get to talking really fast because I'm excited about what I believe this. I'm not up here rehearsing somebody else's message. This is not coming from my mind or a theological degree that I have or training in a seminary. This is coming from my heart. I have to every single week fight on what not to say as well as what to say. There's a thousand and one things I could say but there's a hundred things I want to say. And I'm going to say the hundred things instead of the thousand things because the hundred things is what you need. And I want to see that refreshing in your life. I want to see anything in your life that's a hindrance pushed away. If it's a personal problem, it's if a personal situation, I want it gone from your life. I don't want it a part of your life. If you are concerned about a part of your body and it's plaguing you, I want to receive healing. If there's no peace in your mind, I want to see peace in your mind. If you're concerned about your finances, let God be the financial resource of your life. I promise you, you give unto him, he'll make all things better. I had a very wealthy businessman contact me yesterday and he is a giver into this church outside of this church and it just amazes me I, I've watched him in this year trust God more and more with his business 
And even though I met him this week for, for a gift he gave into the church, but we did some texting back and forth yesterday. He's working on another project, but I can see his faith growing. And the more he trusts God, the more his business prospers. I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing. And it seems like now that the more he continues to trust God and honor him financially, then the Lord brings it back into him. There's a dynamic but you're, you know, if you're just waiting to that spiritual lottery to trust God, well, when I get that million dollars, I'm going to give, I'll give some to the church. After, I promise you, pastor, you know, well, if you can't be faithful with a thousand dollars, don't, don't even think you're going to get the $10,000. That's not the way that works with God. He wants to see you faithful with a hundred. He wants to see you faithful where you are. If you want more time to do more things, give him the first hour of the day. Give him time in the morning. If you want your days to multiply and see more productivity in your day, put him first place. I promise you times of refreshing will come when you do that. Times of restoration will come and I'm out of time and we'll do some more this next week. So, so our worship team will come up. We'll talk more about this next week because I've, I've not even got into Matthew or Ezekiel concerning this, but I'll tell you what, I see some things in 2024 that are exciting, and I'm just excited about participating in them. I'm excited about what I see. In Matthew chapter 24, I've got some revelation of verse 14. You don't have to go read it about where we're at. It said that the end times would be accelerated because of this one principle. Also, I just got, I'll give you a little, as they say, advertisement. In Ezekiel 38, I mean, 39 verses 27 through 29 is talking about the gathering of Israel. And I've got some statistics to share with you about how God is assimilating people that are going back to Israel. The Israeli, Israeli population is growing and how God prophesied that that would be a sign in the last days that people would go back to the homeland. homeland. And Jonathan Fieldstein is one of those people. Tomorrow marks his 20th year as he moved his family from uh, New Jersey back to Israel. I'm telling you, God is bringing those things to pass. And that is one of the prophetic signs that he would bring his people back to the land. And unfortunately, there would be warfare, but then this would be the very beginning of the end. I'm telling you, are you prophesying that Jesus is going to turn next year? No, I'm not saying anything about Jesus returning next year. I'm just saying this, we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And there are some definite signs in the earth. And I'm not looking for a hole in the cemetery to bury people in. I'm looking for that hole in the sky. Okay, yes, I want us to all live long and live strong. I've got plenty of goals for the next 40 years to live out for me and this church and for my family, but also at the same time, we can get things accomplished in heaven. It said there would be a thousand year millennial reign, Jonathan. What the, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to have the millennial reign where there's no sickness and disease and ruling and reigning up there? How about that? A body that stays 30 years old? I think that's pretty good, okay? I have flowing red hair. Thank God Jonathan and I in the millennial will have hair. And it will be pretty and beautiful. The Lord will restore all things back to Jonathan and I and Mr. Anderson too. <laughs> so, now to all of us, it's not just the hair, it's being with Jesus. He's our love and our source and he's our life.